Blog Talk Radio. Guys, Guys Radio. This is your host and Guys, Guys, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, April 29th, 2015. This show is being broadcast live from our studio in Harlem, New York City, USA. We have a spectacular show for you and a spectacular day in New York. Our special guest this evening is a world-renowned author, Joseph Emmett. And he uh, has a book called Buddha's Book of Meditation, Mindfulness Practices for a Quieter Mind, Self-Awareness, and Healthy Living. So we're, we're following this metaphysical path that we've been on this year with Guys Guys Radio and in an effort to uh, help men and women be at their best so everyone wins. So uh, very excited to bring Joseph out uh, in a few minutes. Let's catch up with what's been going on in, uh, in the world, and we'll talk a little bit about the Guys Guys brand. Well... First of all, as I mentioned, spectacular weather here in New York City. Finally, finally, it's springtime after a very prolonged, very cold winter. Uh, last year, we had a very long, long, snowy winter. This year, we had a very long, cold winter. And even uh, as recently as a couple of days ago, you could feel that winter chill still in the air. But everything seems to have broken open now, and it's springtime, and the trees are blooming, and uh, cherry blossoms, and crocuses and daffodils and everything else is just exploding. And I really I really love New York in the spring and I really love it in the fall. It seems like the two perfect times a year for this city. In the springtime you get so much more oxygen. It's so nice to breathe. I live near Central Park so I love to walk through the park. It's just taking two steps into Central Park and the whole energy changes of the city. And uh it's just glorious, the upkeep that they've done over the past 20 years in Central Park. It just keeps getting better and better. And um, and in the fall, New York is gorgeous also because the summer's over. People come back into town. New York's such a cultural city that there's so many things that go on in the fall here. So it's another great time of year. But right now it's springtime. And spring is my favorite season. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a season of hope, uh, renewal, uh, and uh and baseball, and I love baseball. Uh, the New York Yankees and the Mets are both playing pretty good right now. Um, we've got a fantastic uh, next couple of days in sports. Uh, and, you know, a lot of guys, guys like sports. Not 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 all. And you don't have to like sports to be a guy's guy. You don't even have to be a guy to be a guy's guy. I mean, guys, guys are about when men and women are at their best and can be at their best, everyone wins. So you could be straight or gay or white or black or Asian or it doesn't matter as long as you treat others with respect and do what you can to bring out the best in your fellow man and woman and also realize that we're all connected. That's what guys guys are really all about. So anyhow, back to sports for a moment. We've got the NFL draft coming up tomorrow. It begins tomorrow, then it goes into Friday and Saturday. We've got the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, we've got the Mets. Uh, I don't know who the Mets are playing, but the Yankees are playing the Red Sox this weekend and on Saturday. And then uh, Saturday night, we've got the big uh, Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. And that should be uh, 
that should be a real battle. Um, you know, the weight class is welterweight, so these guys are 147 pounds. They're fast and they're very skillful. I watched the uh, uh, press conference today, and it was it was incredibly dull. I, there was no trash talking. Both fighters thanked God, and uh, I just sensed there's some seething underneath. There's going to be an explosion come the fight because these guys are in a brutal sport, and I actually believe this is going to be a brutal fight. Just to give you a little background, Floyd May- Mayweather's 47-0. and 0. He's never lost. He's a defensive fighter. He can mix it up if he has to. He doesn't really want to. Um, Pacquiao is, uh, he's lost a couple of times, but he's a very powerful, very quick, like a jackrabbit, left-hander, southpaw. So he darts in and out. He comes at you from different angles. And um, a lot of people have said that Mayweather has avoided this fight for the past five years. Whether that's true or not, uh, you know what? They're fighting now, so it really doesn't matter. But um, uh, we'll see which of these ring masters, ring generals, can get the other guy to fight their fight. And I think that's going to be the key. Who can get the other guy to have to make the adjustments? And I think the fact that you've got one guy, Mayweather, he doesn't want to lose. And you've got another guy who wants to win really bad. I'll always take the guy who wants to win versus the guy who's, I don't want to say afraid to lose, but doesn't want to lose. So I think Pacquiao is going to pull an upset because he's motivated. He's a lefty, which can create problems. He hits harder. Uh, He darts in and out. Um, He doesn't have as good a defense, and he can be hit. But if he can pile up some of the early rounds, he will then, uh, because he's got great endurance, he will then actually take Mayweather out of his comfort zone, and Mayweather will have to go on the uh, pursuit, go on the aggressive route to to catch up. And that's going to put him in a discomforting position. And I think there's going to be some uh, explosiveness because of that, because these guys are going to be in there wailing on each other uh, towards the end of the fight to see who can actually uh, grind it out. So I'm going to pick Pacquiao with the upset decision. He's going to win by a couple of rounds, maybe one or two rounds. And uh, then I think there'll be a rematch later this year. But uh, I think this will be a terrific match. So that's my pick there, May 2nd, a big day in sports. And and the Guys Guys Radio Show, uh, all of our broadcasts are available on uh, both Blog Talk Radio as well as iTunes, where we archived all 130 podcasts. You can also catch my Hello.
Hello, hello. Joseph? Yes, yes. I was uh, listening I'm... to you on the radio, and then uh, I think we got cut off or something. Yeah, I got cut off, so I'm going to <laughs> let me... Just... I felt the same way. <laughs> I I had to call back twice, so I apologize, and we'll edit this uh, afterwards, so when we post it, it'll be a clean listen. So let me just tell the audience about you and your book. It's called Buddha's Book of Meditation, Mindfulness Practices for a Quieter Mind, Self-Awareness, and Healthy Living. Um, there's a forward by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a, a great metaphysical spiritual master. Uh, I've gone through the book over the past week or so, and it's fantastic. And... Um, Joseph trained with Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh at Plum Village in France, and he was made a Dharma teacher with uh, in the Thich Nhat Hanh tradition. He's a doctorate in music from Boston University, author of Buddha's Book of Stress Reduction, Buddha's Book of Sleep, which I'm going to get for my mom, and which has awarded the uh, 2013 Cover Award for Best Book of the Year. And he's the, fine, the founder of the Mindfulness Meditation Center in Montreal, uh, and he lives in uh, Point Claire, Canada. So thank you so much, Joseph, for joining me on Guys Guys Radio. I was very, very eager to get you on here, very excited about it. And you, your book is wonderful, as as is your work. So thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure to talk about uh, subjects that are close to my heart. Great. Well, uh, first, uh, you know, I read uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's book called Anger, and it was fantastic. And um, I've always been a, uh, you know, Somebody who holds him in high regard and great respect, he's just fantastic. So I have so much uh, respect for you having to having studied with him. And he's uh, he's how is his health these days? Uh, well, he's back in Plum Village. He's uh, undergoing uh, rehabilitation after his stroke, and uh, all indications are that he is on his way to a, at least a partial recovery. He has. Uh, great deal of willpower and uh he he has a lot of drive and uh uh from what i hear all those qualities are showing up in his uh in his approach to rehabilitation right now okay well, let's pray that he gets well soon and that continues the good work um your book uh i have to say it's fantastic and it's so uh important for right now um what was the uh what was your inspiration to uh decide on this chapter and to write this book at this time? Well, uh, I uh, am constantly seeing people privately for meditation coaching, and I'm seeing people in groups uh, for uh, uh, things like uh, sleep, uh, better sleep, uh, for stress reduction, and also at one of the major hospitals here, uh, groups uh, uh, of people who have uh, cancer. And uh, so I'm in this in this thing all 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 the time, uh, and uh, very close to my heart. And over the years, uh, I sort of honed in my approach of how best to uh, to put this this practice across to people, how best uh, uh, to teach it. And uh, so uh, uh, one day I, I started. Uh, uh, sort of putting all my notes together, and uh, uh, as I did that, I grew more and more enthusiastic about it, and there it is. Excellent. Um, let's talk about um, the work with cancer a little bit, because uh, you know, I had a uh, 
what's called a I'll call it a diagnosis of opportunity. Last year, I had a uh, and I've mentioned it on the show a few times, but I had a kidney stone and uh, it wouldn't go away. And I went into the uh, went in to get it checked out, and uh, and then they found a growth, a small growth on both of my kidneys, and I had to have robotic oh, no. surgery. Yes, and they were taken out, and everything's fine, and no follow-up procedure whatsoever. But Great. during the time from, from when I was diagnosed, I did a lot of visualization using color to uh, reduce and release the growths from my body. And I think because of that, um, from what I was told from the doctors, that they came off you know, very easily and there was no complications or anything. But tell us about the importance of using meditation when you're dealing with a, uh, you know, a real disease, if you will, something like cancer or, uh, or the like of that. Well, the, one of the main thrusts of mindfulness is to come back from your thoughts to your body, from thoughts to sensations. The body talks in sensations. Your body does not speak English. It, if you hear words, it's coming from your brain, not from your body. And so to sort of tune in to sensations, uh, tune out the thoughts and tune in to the sensations. And this is very important for, among other things, for pain management because uh, mm -hmm. your body is saying one thing with sensations, with pain, but your mind is saying things like, oh, this is terrible, this is unbearable, why me? Uh, I'm such a victim. Why did it happen to me? Will it ever? So on and so on and so on. So uh, a lot of the suffering uh, is due to this brain talk rather than the actual actual physical uh, sensations of pain. So knowing the difference between sensations and thoughts is 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 crucial really and uh and by the way a lot of painkillers are what what they're actually doing is quieting the mind calming the mind rather than uh physical pain well there's some of that as well mm -hmm. so uh if you can able if you can do that with 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 mindfulness with meditation you're so much better off and you suffer less Let's talk a little bit about then uh, the difference that you mentioned in the book early on between uh, brainful and mindful. <laughs> yes, yes, let's, yes. Uh, well, uh, the brain is an organ, and as, as such, you know, it, it comes to us through millions of years of evolution and uh, and a huge number of years as we were cavemen and jungle living and this and that. And it, it developed in those conditions. And, uh, for example, fear is a very, very important uh, feature of the brain. Uh, I mean, we survived uh, the snakes and the tigers <clears throat> thanks to our fear. Um, and uh, the people who didn't have enough fear did not live long enough to transmit their genes to us, frankly. Hmm. And uh, so uh, the brain is an organ that, that grew out of conditions. And as a man, I know that men especially have such a huge uh, drive to be the alpha male, to be aggressive, to be competitive, and so on. Uh, these are all... Um, 
These are all uh, brain uh, qualities. Whereas mindfulness takes into account your values, your wish to be happy. Now, the brain is interested in survival. The mind is interested in happiness. They are not necessarily the same thing. Uh, The thing is that right now, for most of us, our survival is assured. And if we continue to focus on survival rather than happiness, coexistence, and a pleasant life, a fulfilling life, thriving, uh, we we are not at this point uh, fulfilling our potential. Not like evolution right now proceeds with mindfulness. Like our physical ed- evolution is done. We don't need a third hand or a second nose like uh, to evolve further. Uh, we all ha- we have all the physical attributes necessary. What we need is more mindfulness so we can evolve toward a happy life. Mm-hmm. And that's so tough in, in today's world. We we have a lot to be thankful and happy about, yet people have a really tough time being happy. I don't know if it's driven by the media <laughs> or whatever, but you also mentioned in your book that... Uh, the mind has a negativity bias. Why, why is that? Is that culture, social conditioning? Is that our culture? I mean, I was sitting there with my wife uh, last night, and we were flipping through on the cable dial. There's like four or five. It's like a section of news where it's like CNN, and then there's this world news, and then there's Al Jazeera news, and Fox news, and all the news. And they were just pummeling us with headlines and then a scroll underneath, and everything was negative. And um, I've got to think that's part of it. But what 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 is it in general that contributes to what you call a negative negativity bias of the mind? Well, the uh, evolutionary psychologists explain it by saying that uh, imagine you're a fish swimming in a pond, or or say in the sea, uh, medium-sized fish, and if you see a prey animal, a smaller fish, and uh, you miss it, not a big deal. You'll get another chance. There are plenty of other fish. But if there is a big dark shadow above and you miss that, you miss noticing and taking appropriate measures, the game is over. That was a shark. You don't get a second chance. So being aware of negative stimuli is uh has evol- evolutionary uh juice behind it and uh that that is part of being brainful we we it's part of our makeup and uh yes you're quite right about the news and when there is one thing negative like a policeman uh, you know did something bad whatever as you say they pummel us day after day with the same thing for 5 6 Days, several weeks, same thing over and over again. Uh, yeah. Until they burn it out, and then they move to the next subject. Then you never—it seems like you never hear about it again. It's like that <laughs> flight, flight three seventy. They were looking, 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 and then they just dropped it and went on to the next story. And then you don't hear anything about it. And it's 
you know, all it's, it, to me, it's amazing that all these news organizations, they, they are all focusing on the same stories at the same time. There's not really a lot of diversity there. So I'm very, and I would recommend to everybody to be careful in terms of how you consume media and particularly the news. Because then, then, then when you go into the commercials, then you're getting all uh, pharma, you know, this hurts, that hurts, <laughs> take this, take that. And then back to the news, back to more bad news. So it's really a double yeah. whammy. I mean, do you... Do you watch much TV, uh, Joseph? Uh, well, we have this uh, black box that records stuff, and we have a few programs that we really enjoy, so we record them, and uh, uh, and we're really choosy about that. You know, one of the uh, uh, standard definitions of mindfulness is paying attention intentionally. So if the mind is paying attention automatically to bad news, then mindfulness is paying attention intentionally in the direction you want to go, to the good news, to positivity. Mm-hmm. And this is this is it. Do you, do you feel that, um, you know, what we think about um, manifests? So if we think about bad news and bad things, we end up, you know, creating? Do, we, do you think there's a connection there, like a lot of people do, that we actually start creating? because we have, you know, the divine spark within us that we start to create what we think about, whether it is positive or negative. And the fact that so many people in today's world have a propensity to think negatively that we end mm-hmm. up getting into these cycles. Uh, do you do you think that's true? And also, you mentioned one section of your book is called um, kind of uh, getting out of the box. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, is that is that part of it where you know we kind of create this we we can let let let's start with the first thing we we let's assume that and correct me if I'm wrong that we kind of create some of the things we think about then if that yeah. is the case do we then there's a lot of people then who say oh I'm going to meditate now I'm going to become more spiritual and they do it but they end up doing it in a very uh running in place type of way. Could you help me out for our listeners and talk about those ideas? Because a lot of people are trying to, uh, uh, you know, raise their frequency and uh, raise their vibration. But, um, and even, you mentioned couples also where, you know, both the husband and the wife may be both on a spiritual path. They do things a little bit differently, but they're not really, they're not really dimensionalizing it the way they can because they're kind of, you don't say running in place. Those are my words, but it seems like they're just, reinforcing what they already are. Very true. What you say is very true. And that that makes it a bit of a problem for do-it-yourselfers, you know, like doing uh, med- learning meditation by yourself, even with the help of a little bit of Internet. It's a little bit like doing brain surgery, except that in this case, you're the surgeon as well as the patient, and, and if if you are, uh, you could be sitting and stewing in your own juice and uh, uh, sort of getting carried away with your own negativity, and it's not, it might not be helping you at all. One of the big things that I do in, in groups and even with individuals is, is bring about positivity at every occasion and and one thing i do for example i'll ask people to to name some positive emotions and usually when i ask that question there is a bit of silence like 
people are having trouble thinking of it. Like, if I ask you to name right. some negative emotions, you know, there's no problem. You can come up with half a dozen <laughs> in one breath. But there's usually a silence, like uh, uh, positive naming, just naming <laughs> positive emotion. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you're quite right. It's, uh, I think you need a guide in meditation, and you need a guide who will guide you toward positivity and will guide you the right way into mindfulness. Now, if, if somebody's uh, on the road there, they want to start to learn meditation, um, I guess we should go back and talk about some of the basics for our, our audience. What should they do to kind of get started in meditation? I mean, everybody's got a busy life, and I know so many people. I meditate every day. I do it first thing when I wake up. I try to find some time during the day to do it, and I do it before I go to sleep at night. I, I try to put everything in the balloon and let all my problems kind of let go and let God. So, And I it helps me have a very peaceful sleep. Most of the people I know are very, very well intended, and they want to do meditation. They want to do more, but they don't. They're just living very reactive lives and that there's a lot of chasing going on how how can you know how can people get started what should they do what's a good first step for a busy person to get started in meditation well i would say um uh, maybe read a book or two by Thich Han. he is a uh he he writes in a way like that's exceptionally easy to read like a magazine article like a newspaper article as you know, he and John Kabat-Zinn are the two sort of initiators of the mindfulness movement. Thich Nhat Hanh's book uh, came out, The Miracle of Mindfulness, came out in 1975, and John Kabat-Zinn's book came out in 1979. And before that, the word mindfulness was not even in the dictionary. I mean, I, I know I have the two-volume Oxford, Oxford published in 75, and mindfulness isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I would, I would. Start by reading a book or two by Thich Nhat Hanh, and uh, I would try to go to a, a retreat or an eight-week course, mindfulness-focused stress re- stress reduction, or I would uh, Google mindfulness groups or Thich Nhat Hanh groups. Uh, mm-hmm. Mindfulness Bell. You can Google Mindfulness Bell. There. Are Tiknathan based groups, uh, drop-in meditation groups in a number of, a lot of cities, and um, uh, that that might be a way to go. So here you are. Read a book by Tiknathan, uh, <laughs> and uh, go find your book. And yes, read my book, yeah. Meditation, Buddha's Book of Meditation. Yes, uh, a few little tidbits on my website. Mindfulness Meditation Center uh, dot org center uh, written the Canadian way T R E at the end center T R E. Okay. Well, let's talk a and, little bit more about. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I just wanted to uh, say one other thing about the website. You know, uh, as part of this book of meditation, there are twelve uh, mindfulness songs and three guided meditations. Those are the practice part of this book, and they are available on the website for free download. Of course, uh, with the book, you get context, and it's more helpful hints how to use them, but the the material is there available waiting for you right now. 
let's talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up, Joseph, and, and thank you. Um, because you do, uh, you know, you do uh, connect us to some great music, uh, mindfulness music. What, in your background, you have a music background. What is the connection between mindfulness and meditation and music, and how can we, how can we kind of work them together to quiet our minds? Because a lot of the music people listen to is very, very upbeat, very frenetic, more and more so. Yes, and some of the words are quite negative, like. Uh, some of the older music, you know, you belong to me. Uh, you know, try try that on your girlfriend and see what you get. Uh, the, right. Not a very uh, very good uh, good attitude to, to take towards somebody. But my own uh, musical mindfulness uh, thing with music started with uh, uh, meeting Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a very musical person. He's a poet. He can sing very well. He chants very well, and in Plum Village, Plum Village, where he lives, before his talks, there is half an hour of singing. There is singing in the morning as you wake up. There is singing before his talk. There is singing before walking meditation. There is singing before meals. There is singing before <laughs> the work period. And uh, so uh, it really, uh, all of a sudden, I said to myself, hey, I think there's a place for me here. <laughs> and uh, that's how it started. Uh, fantastic. You you mentioned, uh, you just uh, kind of reeled off a few different places where you can meditate, and mindfulness comes into context. And a lot of people may not be aware, but you mentioned kind of being mindful and, and, eat, and eating meditation. And I remember uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, one of his books is about using uh, how to be mindful in business. And he talks about, you know, don't answer the phone until it rings three times. And he talks about eating where, you know, make sure you enjoy every bite. And, you know, when you just going out to lunch is a, is a luxury now, the way the business world is people eat at their desks and they're just shoveling food. They're not, they're not out of plastic containers. They're not really enjoying every bite. What can, if you're living in a busy, in a busy rat race world, and that's your day-to-day conscious living right now. What can you do to slow it down a little bit so you can do that eating meditation and enjoy every bite of that food and, and really be present in that moment and help you soak up the nutrition if there is any in your food? Well, that's a great question, and I have, a, I have an answer for it. My answer is that even if you're regularly meditating, like in the morning, many people meditate in the morning or at night, uh, say that you're meditating in the morning, by 2 o'clock or by lunchtime that day, that morning meditation is already a dim memory. You need refresh, refreshment, refreshing your, your meditation. And uh, I suggest meditation breaks during the day. And one of the best ways of doing that is listen to the songs the, on on my website you have you, you have to go to mindfulnessmeditationcenter.org center mm-hmm. spelled the canadian way t r e click on books then click on the current book which is buddha's book of meditation there you have 12 mindfulness songs pick one or two and download it to your phone and at lunchtime go for a short walk uh no more than 5 minutes just a short walk, five, three minutes even, mm-hmm. and listen to a song. Each song will take you to a place 
a deep place. And uh, uh, the songs are two and a half minutes long, three minutes long. And this meditation break is better than a coffee break uh, for most purposes. And then you can come back to your work refreshed, relaxed, and sort of with a new perspective and uh, more enthusiastic for what you're doing, full of positive thoughts. So uh, that's my recommendation, taking a meditation break. And the easiest way to do that is download the song and listen to it as part of your lunch break, preferably, and the season is right. (laughs) I enjoyed your uh, description of New York, spring in New York. It's uh, very similar to springtime in Montreal right now. And Mm -hmm. uh, do it while you're walking outside and three, four minutes. That's all it takes. Now, if you... If you have to take the subway or whatever to work or just for your day-to-day existence, um, you know, I, I take the subway a lot, and I always have, and it really puts me in touch with people. I know a lot of people don't like the subway. I, I mean, nobody really likes it, but I use it for forms of meditation. I have my notes on my iPhone. I pull it out, and I read some I am-isms on it, and I look at everybody, and I say, to myself, I know who you are, I know what you are, I know how you serve. And just sending out that vibration to me makes so for nice. like a peaceful makes for a peaceful subway car. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joseph, that you know you can put yourself in a meditative state uh safely in a crowded place like the subway. If you protect yourself and uh you know, don't kind of doze off to sleep, but uh, you really just are mindful of where you are, where you are going. Um, how, how is that correct? And how how would you advise people to do that when they have busy lives? I'm not saying they should meditate when they're behind the wheel, but if you're on the subway or on a <laughs> no. bus, I think you have ample. Op- I think you have opportunities. Is that what do you think? Definitely, I I do it with songs. I always have a song running in my head. And that's the value of songs because it can become an earworm. And the the melody is the earworm. And the melody carries the words into your spirit and repeats them for you. So it sort of mimics concentration, like you don't have to make an effort to remember uh, what what you were doing uh, in, in your meditation period or in your meditation in the subway or whatever. The melody does it for you. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I uh, so you can download all the twelve songs and uh, uh, play a couple, and better for best results, hum along with it or sing along with it. Uh, it's uh, it, it it helps it uh, anchor in your in your mind even better. Now, okay, what one of the areas where um, I think a lot of people have run into challenges and run into difficulties as they're working on their vibration and their frequency is, uh, and I know I have this problem, is opening up the heart space. And you talk about that, I think it's on page 160. Um, Could you talk about the importance of opening your heart space and how how you can do that safely? Well, uh, I can think of two ways. One is um, uh, look up 
right now, and uh, you might see some clouds. Like here, there are some clouds. Fortunately, mm-hmm. there are the golden clouds of uh, sunset time coming up. But yes. on a cloudy day, the cloud is not the sky. Uh, so our thoughts uh, is, are not the mind. Uh, the mind is a clear blue sky. And 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 uh, so uh, taking thoughts as the mind narrows your perspective down and and sort of uh, puts you in a bind like you're like blinkers on and uh, and uh, to 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 go beyond uh, to think of the blue sky rather than the clouds mm-hmm. clouds come and go. Uh, on a windy sky uh thoughts are like clouds they come and go on a windy sky and uh this is a uh, one image to to broaden the mind and to sort of in meditation we are not the thinkers so much as we are the observers of thought we are the observers of breath we are the observers of sensations so uh to sort of like a meta stage, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the essence of, of meditation. Which you can, as you practice doing it during your meditation session, you slowly get into it during everyday everyday life as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because you mentioned, uh, you know, the blue, you know, the blue sky and. Uh, towards the latter part of the book you talk about um which I thought was a fantastic concept and I've never heard of before and I think it's great and it was about kind of creating and managing your internal weather could you talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit joseph yes yes such an important idea you know um our balance is dynamic uh, like you see a Buddha statue and you think that the balance is absolutely st- static like that, but our that balance is more like a bike rider, even when we're walking. I, I mean, uh, on the bike, it looks like you're always perfectly balanced, but put a statue on a bike and give it a push and you'll see what happens. Uh, mm. A bike rider is always slightly out of balance this way or that way, but he compensates very quickly by, you know, steering the right way. Mm-hmm. And that is mood regulation. That's mood maintenance. Uh, I think happy people also feel pushed and pulled in every direction by their children, their their spouses, their friends, their bosses, uh, whoever. But they they feel the push and they might feel a little out of balance like a bike rider does a lot of the time but they don't keep going out of balance until they crash you know and Mm -hmm. uh, so this is such an important difference because people do not have that ability of mood maintenance do crash whether it's crashing out of anger out of stress out of anxiety they do not feel the slight pull of being slightly out of balance and taking countermeasures to come back. 
Mm-hmm. You you mentioned one area. I'm sorry, forgive me. I kind of skipped over was the importance of uh, breathing. And um, you know, I find myself. My my wife is a she she teaches yoga teachers and she she studies with uh, Dharma Mitra here in in New York and she's very good at breathing and she says that you know your life uh, span is based on some say it's based on you know how many breaths you take and a lot of times I find myself like a lot of people and I'm like <laughs> all the time like a panting dog and she's very <laughs> cool and calm how, how and and it's so important in meditation and I'm I'm pretty good in terms of uh, meditating but I I really don't I don't measure and manage my breathing all that well or factor that in. What what can people do to get uh, their arms around their breath and use that to their advantage instead of just, you know, forcing air in and out of their lungs to stay alive? Uh-huh. Well, well you're you're hitting on a uh, something that many people find difficult, not only difficult, but some people find it trivial to concentrate on the breath because, uh, of course, we all breathe all the time, so uh, it couldn't be that important, right? But it's the body that breathes. And if your mind is following the breath, the body and mind are together. The body is mm-hmm. here, you see, you can see it in the mirror, but the mind, not necessarily. It could be anywhere. It could be in Mexico, for example, in the winter. Uh, so when the mind is on the breath, the mind is with the body. It's as simple as that. Excellent. Our guest has been uh, Joseph Emmett, is it, or Emmett? Emmett. Emmett, Joseph Emmett, and the book is Buddha's Book of Meditation, Mindfulness Practices for a Quieter Mind, Self-Awareness, and Healthy Living. What else, uh, what would you like to share in terms of, uh, besides the book, where people can find the book, where they can find you, where they can take some of your courses, uh, etc.? Well, uh, when you mention taking courses, of course, I live in Montreal, and uh, uh, but uh, a lot of this stuff, um, a lot of this uh, approach is uh, based on Thich Nhat Hanh's teachings. So any Thich Nhat Hanh group, you could go to Mindfulness Bell, which is a mm-hmm. magazine of the, of the Thich Nhat Hanh group, and uh, there you might find groups in your vicinity. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of them are drop-in groups. There's some in New York City, a couple, and uh, that would be a good way to get started. And uh, apart from that, uh, mindfulness is an instrument, and uh, in order to get full benefit, you have to use that instrument, like a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) You know, if it stays in the closet, your house does not get clean, and so... You have to use mindfulness. And uh, Thich Nhat Hanh was once asked, how long should I meditate every day? And he mm-hmm. said, all day. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't what the questioner wanted to hear. Uh, what, of course, he means is that if meditation stays in the meditation room on the cushion, 
it doesn't do much good in your daily life. So as you as you your practice gets deeper and if you take meditation breaks, it will gradually uh reflect in your daily life as well. Well that's fantastic. So beautifully spoken. So uh thank you so much, Joseph. I mean I had twenty more questions, so maybe Maybe I can invite you back on the show in a few months and we can pick it up from there because there's so much more I'd like to share about your teachings and your book. So I'll, I will reach out through your people and see if we can arrange that. But um, I'm really thrilled that you took the time to come onto my show. I apologize for the technical glitch that we had there, but I assure you we'll clean that up in post-production and everything will be great. And it's been a, a thrill to have you here. And again, uh, the book is uh, Buddha's Book of Meditation. Joseph Emet, and you can get it in the, your bookstore or online, and uh, Joseph gave us all of the social media information for that. So I want to thank you, sir. It's been a, a pleasure speaking with you, and I, I hope I can have that honor to do so again at some point in the near future. would be a pleasure for me uh, to, to come back again, and thanks for having me. All right. Thank you so much. So that's been our show, folks. Uh, our great guest has been Joseph Emmett, and... Um, he talked about meditation and uh, calling in from Canada, uh, from Montreal, which is a beautiful city. And, uh, you know, meditation is one of those things that uh, uh, more and more people are getting involved with. And it, it takes time, but you don't want to make it an effort. You want to make it a joy and something that you look forward to doing every day. And I can tell you just from personal experience that I have been able to incorporate it very easily into my lifestyle without taking time out from anything else. And it's actually made me a more efficient person and a more settled, uh, less anxious person. And, uh, and, it's, and it has, it has uh, really helped me out. So uh, check it out. And this is a good book to start with, Buddha's Book of Meditation. And remember, you know, in this whole guy's guy movement, we're all about better men and better worlds. So uh, I hope you check out the Mayweather-Pacquiao boxing match. Uh, this this Saturday, and maybe we can talk about it next week. And uh, again, my pick is uh, Pacquiao by a decision. And um, I hope you're enjoying the weather and you have a great week coming up. And um, remember, the better men, better world. That's what guys, guys are all about. But, you know, the other good thing is guys, guys finish first.